This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. The first leg of a potential quadruple completed. Diamond Diaz sparkles with Queen and Kelleher again, the cup shootout king for the Reds. Plus, we'll look ahead to Wednesday night's visit of the Canaries with our team selector and match predictions to come. To do that, we have, I was going to say, our own front three, but it looks as though Ian Doyle's internet isn't going to uh, be able to join us. So we've got our correspondent, Tupal Gorse, and the O Squires. Gents, I trust you both well. And before we do start, indeed, I think a, a moment of reflection for the Carabao kid, Joe Rimmer, who always tells us so much how much he loves the League Cup, not able to, to join us due to a meeting. He should have sacked it off and come and joined us anyway. It is well, you should have just done it an hour earlier. Yeah, maybe, but that isn't how it works around here. So anyway, <laughs> let's, uh, let's crack on regardless. Gorsty, I'll come over to you first. And uh, well, I suppose the performance, it was a cagey nil-nil. It was a great nil-nil for kind of performance value and entertainment, albeit no goals. But in the end, the Reds got their hands on the cup. Yeah, it's not a great nil-nil when you're trying to write a thousand-word verdict um, and you don't know what way it's going to go, whether you're writing about commiserations and misery and sadness and disappointments and heartache or you're cheering about, or writing about, rather, cheers and celebrations and quadruples and it's all on and Liverpool are the greatest team ever. It's uh, just just the way elite-level sport works, isn't it? It all hangs in the balance when um, two teams like Chelsea and Liverpool are so evenly matched. Uh, really good game for the neutral. Um, so many chances and talking points and incidents. And um, the only thing that was missing was a glut of goals. Uh, and we kind of had the ball in the net more often than not, didn't we? But all ruled to be offside. I'm sure we'll get into those decisions shortly. But yeah, it was a um, really good, uh, solid advertisement for the Carabao Cup um, in the last. Four years it's just been dominated by Manchester City, kind of lining them up and knocking them down. And it's been a succession of losers, uh, with City winning four in the road to draw level with Liverpool on eight. And when you consider that yesterday was Liverpool's first Carabao Cup win for 10 years, and they're now, um, you know, record holders on nine, it kind of shows you how dominant they were and how much, you know, how seriously the competition used to be treated by Liverpool in kind of 80s as they, they were coming through and emerging. Um, yeah, and Klopp's been a bit unfortunate, I'd say, in, in this time Liverpool manager that, you know, he's been knocked out essentially by Premier League teams in this competition. It's always kind of thrown at him that he doesn't take it too seriously. But, you know, off the top of my head, he's been beaten by Chelsea twice. He's been beaten by Leicester. He's been beaten by Arsenal. Um, so he was knocked out by Villa, weren't they? Yeah, well, you know, Liverpool couldn't do anything about that either, could he? That was a bit of a fast start, you know, playing two games in 24 hours. Um so uh, I don't think that's always held up, that accusation against Klopp. And certainly this season with the squad he's got now, he's taken it um, as seriously as he ever has. But the key thing is he's had the players and he's had the look of the draw, really. Norwich away, Preston away, um, Leicester at home. Arsenal was, was obviously a tough one over the two legs. Um, but only really coming up against Chelsea in the final is a tie that you wouldn't expect Liverpool necessarily to, to win nowadays so um first one in the bag uh obviously great to see them celebrating and all that and you know in front of the fans for the first time on domestic soil but i just think this could be the kind of uh, prelude to a 
an incredible end to the season. You know, the quadruple is still within reach. Um, no team's ever done it, so um, you know they're obviously not odds-on favourites to go and do it. But the fact that it's still available for them as we head into March is just a um, you know a massive pointer for how uh, I think it's been an unbelievable season actually, um, and and I think that kind of holds holds up the fact that they're still going for all four as, as we get into March. Yeah, Ian Doyle loves the, the Carabao Cup, the League Cup so much that love, money, nor meetings, nor internet connection are going to stop him being with us on the Blood Red podcast today. Doyle, what did you make of it down at Wembley yesterday? Um, it was a bit cold. <laughs> you know, I'm of the age now that all that matters is how warm it is. Uh, not bothered about anything else. Uh, no, I mean, the game was quite for nil-nil. Funny enough, I was, I was mentioning this to... We, me and Paul travelled home this morning. Uh, Neil Jones was uh, formerly of this parish. Was on uh, on the train. I was explaining to him. It reminded me a little bit of the game in 1984, which none of you will remember. Uh, the League Cup final then, when Everton played Liverpool, that finished nil nil. But that was incident packed, and there was a lot going on going on then. So I mean, you'd be hard pressed to get a better nil nil in terms of the actual action on the pitch. You know. What was it? I'm not sure what what Gorst has gone through already with the game, but you know we've we've seen the disallowed goals. Whether I'm sure we'll get onto them at some point. You know Chelsea at the post, Mendy had a great game, came to the penalties, and at one point we were thinking they're never going to miss. And then when they you know when they did, it kind of backfired on Chelsea by making that decision with Kepper and Klopp's decision to keep uh, Kelleher in and not replace him with Allison was you know was born through completely. I mean totally justified. So overall. I don't think Liverpool. I don't think really anybody could complain that Liverpool have won. Uh, although Chelsea, they could say, "Look, we had that offside chance, Lukaku. It was very, very close, and they hit the post." I think Liverpool played the better overall. I think created the more chances, and of course, then when it came to the actual crunch of the penalty shootouts, we can't argue with the fact that every single player who was remaining on the pitch scored a penalty. I mean, I can't. I mean, how often has that happened? I can't see that happening too often. So. And the, the you know was it two defeats two defeats in fifty now so you know I think as Gorsty said then it's been a remarkable season it could become even more remarkable but uh, you know in the next couple of days you know it's they're playing four games to play that League Cup game they got the FA Cup game on Wednesday against Norwich then they got a big league game on Saturday they got a Champions League game on on Tuesday so it's four games four different competitions the next three are at home you know it, well to be honest the, the the game at Wembley may as well have been at home I think Liverpool's fans. You know, did themselves proud with with the support on the day, uh, and then we'll know an awful lot more. You know, what was it? Nine days time. Yeah, definitely, Theo. In the end, it was a tale of three keepers, wasn't it? I mean, Freeden Kelleher, Edward Mendy were brilliant during the course of the action as well. Kelleher, of course, sticking away his penalty and has been alluded to. Kepper being brought on off the bench and not being able to get near any of them, including Virgil Van Dijk's penalty. What a hit that was! And Fabinho as well, the cheek to do that. Yeah, the, the keepers were both superb. Like you think of all these chances that were created in that, in that game, and apart from the decisive goals, it was just the tail of the keepers. Um, this one where you can't really decide who was the man of the match between them. It would have just gone to whichever one of them won the game. We were just talking before we came on air. So like, such a strange decision to bring Ke- Kepper on and lose Mendy when you think only a few weeks ago he was the penalty shootout hero for Senegal in the Cup of Nations. Like, he is one of the best goalkeepers in the world. He looked unbeatable. That save from Mane, whether you think Mane should have scored or not, the speed to get up and keep out and make himself look big was brilliant. And he's had one-on-ones with what 
Diaz and everything. It was great. And then I remember, what was it, Lukaku's little flick that Keller kept out with his feet at the near post. The early one from Pulisic. So, like Carragher had given Klopp a bit of stick, Andy, in the build-up to the game, saying, what's he doing not starting Alisson? But you just need to have seen Keller play to know he isn't a normal number two goalkeeper. There is something else about him. He is special. If he was at, what, 17 clubs in England in the Premier League, he'd probably be first choice. He is that good. And his journey with Liverpool, it might not be a long-term one because he deserves to be a first choice somewhere. It's just enjoying having him at the club for as long as he's happy to be this number two. And he's got to get these rewards in the domestic cups along the way. And sure enough, he, he got his hands on the trophy. What I liked was um, Klopp's interview afterwards when he was talking about when he had to tell Alisson that Keller would be starting. And rather than sulk, get bottom lip or anything, his response was, oh, I hope we win so he can go on the wall with us because they've got you know, their goalkeeping mural of all the keepers have won trophies. Adrian's on it from winning the Super Cup. Allison's on it, Premier League, Champions League, and now Keller is going to be on there as well as this League Cup hero. Um, as Doyley was saying, how often do you see those penalties going? I think I had a, a doubt maybe about Robertson or Canate, but only Canate's that Kepa got anywhere near. Keller's was one of the best. Um, some keepers are just really good at penalties, and he's one of them. In the build-up to the game, I, I wrote a piece predicting that he's got to start, he's going to be a penalty hero in this, because Allison doesn't save them, and he's got this record. He might not have saved them, but he's stepped up in the right way to get the win. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Destroying Alison there, destroying Alison. Yeah, as per usual, as per usual. But, um, Gorsty, you mentioned before, and Doyle did as well, but the, the disallowed goals, the offside goals. I mean, there was one in particular, the 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 t shirt line, the the t-shirt line, the 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 Quite clearly offside, the, the Matic goal that was ruled out was was disallowed, and that that seemed quite harsh as well. Yeah, I think so. I think if that happens down the other end for Liverpool, you go and absolutely spare, aren't you? Certainly, supporters would be the they've got drawn off the lines and they've just kind of done an arbitrary line, just gone out oh, offside. Let's move on, let's get on with it. Um, so Liverpool probably got away with that one, but then you know they were kind of hard done by the other end when they went massive scores. So. Sometimes it evens itself out, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, the other two were offside. Clearly, Kai Havertz was um, a good left foot offside for his one, and, and Timo Werner was, was well offside. So, um, yeah, no, no no complaints over those ones, or not, no real need to debate them either. But, yeah, um, Klopp, I mean, he didn't want to get drawn into it in his press comments after the game for obvious reasons. He's sitting there with his champions t shirt on, he doesn't want to be sitting there moaning about referee decisions or whatever else. But, Kind of just said, I didn't see the matchup one back yet, but it's not our favourite topic. And it certainly wasn't on Saturday night because that was a very tricky situation to understand or something along those lines. He said, clearly referring to the to the Everton decision when Rodri has pretty much come out and, um, you know, playing basketball, wasn't he? And somehow got away with it. Um, so I can see why Klopp was keen to avoid talking about it, but, you know, we can hear, can't we? And, um, I think Chelsea got away with one. Liverpool got away with one and the other two were outside and um, Manchester City certainly got away with one on, on Saturday night to go to some park. Yeah, definitely. Doyle, what was your take on the, the, the Matic goal getting ruled out and whether Virgil van Dijk was interfering? He said after the game he, he didn't even know why he was involved because he wasn't going for the ball, but it did seem some kind of block on, on Rhys James. Well, woof, exactly, yeah. 
Um, I think um, I think that the weird thing is that this is like this kind of rule has just suddenly appeared, hasn't it? Over the last couple of months, uh, it happened pre four and against United, wasn't it? Manchester United, Aston Villa, and uh, Burnley away, wasn't it? The, where it's happened, and I, I don't even think it's happened to anybody else. I can't remember any time it's happened, but uh, I don't know. In the old days, it's funny, isn't it? If you, I know, you know, you can't play past games with with the rules of today because you probably have about three players left on the field because they all have been killing each other. But loads of goals would be disallowed through this kind of thing. It's like blocking is part of it. And the thing is, Chelsea didn't complain at all, did they? Chelsea didn't complain. They just thought it was a, a, well, you know, a well-worked goal from Liverpool's point of view. Um, it's, it's just a soft one, isn't it? And it's just that they're falling over the rules and they're trying to make life hard for themselves. I, I do think that, I don't, that for everybody inside the stadium had absolutely no idea what had happened. Even we didn't. Like we were in the press box because we can't get sound on the on the, the monitors that we're watching. So I was like messaging people who watch it on television, going, what, what on earth just happened then? And the people in the crowd were like, people I know, Liverpool fans, were, were messaging me, going, what happened then? And I was like, well, I don't know, actually. Just got disallowed for whatever. So, yeah, it is a difficult one. I think with the Manchester City one, yeah, it's handball. No, no idea what's going on there. Uh, and I think for the Lukaku one, at the time we thought, that was offside. Then we saw it went, oh, hang on. First time you looked at it, you went, that looks like it could be onside. But as you said, it's all to do with the arms and the, the armpits and the sleeves. The line, and the, the line could drawn from his elbow. I mean, I'm, as we say, to, to me, maybe there were two legitimate goals. Well, I, I think, yeah, I, th I think with the the lines, they always say, don't they? They go, well, actually, what you see on television is not quite the high definition that we see back in Stotley Park. So they could just justify that. What surprised me is how quickly they came to the decision, to be honest. And I know we've been complaining for, you know, when first start, VAR first started that they were taking forever to make decisions. But that was one where you could have gone, well, actually, I understand why they've taken a little bit longer, but they just had a look and just went sound. I mean, in some ways, that's good because if they're going to do that with all of them, then fine. Then if there are any minor kind of mistakes, then they'll just even themselves out. It just, just, it just seemed as though what they did in that respect was they just went with the decision that the linesman, the assistant, referee's assistants gave on the pitch and went, yeah, that's it. We'll just carry on. And I think perhaps going forward, maybe they should do that for any kind of marginal decisions. Just go with the call of the on the field. Then, then unless they can prove it otherwise, just go, well, actually, we're just going to stick with that. Yeah, maybe a bit away from the, the cup final there, and more maybe on that Man City one in particular, because the offsides aren't subjective calls, they're definitive ones that aren't right or wrong. But that no subjective calls since VAR's coming. Do you think a, a fair few of the Premier League referees are maybe kind of bottling decisions, waiting for the VAR to actually step in and decide whether it's a handball or not, for example, in the, the Rodri situation. And then you've got the whole, it's got to be conclusive to overturn, no benefit of doubt to, to, to overturn the decision. And yet, clear as day, that one with Rodri in particular, look handball quite, quite evident. Yeah, it's odd. Like The decisions seem to change week on week. Like You can get the same incidents in some games and you're going to get a different um, outcome with them. Uh, you'd imagine when there's the pressures on them and the referees know they've got the VAR there, maybe they don't want to make the call because they can just have VAR to bail them out. But then at the same time, VAR maybe doesn't want to make the call because at the same time, they want to let the referees make it. They want the game to be as natural as possible. You've got to remember how reluctant football was to embrace technology, embrace video technology, like goal line technology. They were 
eventually happy with because it was clear cut. I think there's only one big error we can think of in that sense, and that was what was it the Villa Sheffield United one was that everything else they get spot on there. But with all this, it just seems to change week on week, and I don't get how they can watch it on the monitors and they think no, that's not us, um, that's not handball, and then they'll carry on when everyone else is watching it at home. It's like well, you people involved in the game. Like you should be able to clearly do it. And it's just how confusing the rules must be for them. Like we talk about for offsides, whether it's T-shirt line, handball changes season on season, whether it's shoulder, elbow, lower forearm, like your forearm. It just, yeah, it's all confusing. And it just doesn't really make it very easy to watch at times. I think this is a Premier League title race. And that handball decision could be decisive come May. And you just you don't want it to be coming down to the officials and making these controversial decisions. You want it to just be the quality that Manchester City have and the quality that Liverpool have on the pitch. Um, like we saw, the the offsides did cancel each other out. I, I'm looking at it, um, and Virgil Van Dijk is really tall. He is really muscular. Reese James struggled to get around him. It's not really a block. Reese James just couldn't get around him, and then he's not really moved, so he's not offside. That was a soft one. And then Lukaku, I'd have had no qualms if that had been given. Um, I like them giving benefit of the doubt. I think that's something they need to bring back, giving the benefit of the doubt to the attacking sides. But th- there was no doubt. Yeah, they're about trying this. to chalk off goals, aren't they? That's what they're there. Yeah. Forensically yeah. examining how they yeah. can disallow a goal. It's ridiculous. But they need to be giving more goals because we want to see goals in this game. Like If the League Cup final had ended one all and went on penalties the same way, it's a great game that's had the goals that it should have had. Like football, you want to see these goals. It's just them. The penalty one, when everyone can see it and the officials still don't give it, uh, we're going to be having this debate every single season, week on week. They're going to go in the summer, they'll make the little changes again and they'll probably still find something wrong with it. It's just the way it is at the moment. Uh, Jurgen Klopp's not happy with VAR and you can't see it changing anytime soon because once they've fought so hard to not have technology in the game and then bring it in, uh, it would be quite an embarrassing U-turn if they got rid of it altogether. There will be a compromise at some point, but you're always going to find issues with it. What I would add on VAR, the Man City one, is that it's interesting because I had I was travelling down to, to London, so I didn't see it at the time, and I just saw one replay of it. It wasn't even a replay, it was real time, knowing it wasn't handball, and just immediately went, well, that's handball. you know. And I think sometimes you can look at something too often and you don't trust your instincts, and I think that touched on something that Theo said. I actually think that I think somebody else was saying that the referee was perhaps unsighted so couldn't see it properly which is fine because that's what VAR is there for. So VAR should have just looked at it and gone, well, that's clearly a penalty. But you slow it down like a, you know, three, four, five, six times and you can just look at it and look at it and look at it and you can finally see whatever you want to see. And he probably, you know, I'm surprised he didn't give it for like a free kick to Man City by the end of it, you know. So it, it, was, it was one of those. So I do think that he can sometimes just look at things a bit too much. That applies to everything as well, to be honest. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I hate talking about refs too much because... When I tweet out, you know, who's um, who's taking charge of a Liverpool game this week, without fail, I get dozens of comments and it'll be like, oh, well, we're not going to win this one then or whatever. And, and it doesn't matter who the referee is. And to me, they're all just names. I couldn't te- I couldn't place a name with a face, really, maybe for like two or three refs. But generally, they're all names and they're all just faces and I, I pay no attention to it because I think if a team's good enough, then they're going to win the game. They shouldn't have to be worrying about referees at the end of the day. But I do think they, they become bogged down a little bit in, in finicky directives and overly officious uh, guidelines. You know, we're talking about the handball and it's got to be below the T-shirt line, it's got to be in the red zone, it's got to be in an unnatural position and this, that and the other. And, and like Doyle says, sometimes they can look at it at infinitum and, and decide what they want to decide based on the angles you've seen. And you know, don't you? I mean, 
I mean, you know, you know, you know what a handball is. You see it, and you say, "Well, that's handball." You you just know, you know, there's no need for twelve different kind of bullet points for each each little kind of rule in the rule book. That was handball, and 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 City have got away with it. And I think it was telling as well from Ruben Diaz. He kind of appeals for it. Yeah. He, he he hears the handball shot from the crowd, and then appeals for it, and then suddenly realizes that it's his own player. And then decides to kind of wave it away as though, as if to say, "Oh, behave yourself." What are you thought? Yeah, yeah. 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 So that that was a probably a telling sign as well. But um, yeah, City massively got away with one there. Yeah, no, definitely right. Let's not talk about too many more refereeing decisions. There were a number we could still go through, but let's not do that. Gorsty, you referenced it before. The quadruple is it on? Don't see why not. Um, I was called giddy for, for suggesting as much, but um, when Trent Alexander-Arnold is putting on Instagram, a quarter a quarter down, um, and he's happy to openly talk about it. And Jürgen Klopp's speaking about the need for this team to win more silverware, to be um, recognised as a, as a great era for Liverpool, as opposed to just a kind of fleeting 13-month period. Then um, I don't see why you, you, you can't discuss it. You know, we're getting into May. Uh, sorry, we're getting into March and Liverpool have still, still got them all to chase. Um, normally, Man-, Man City are getting spoken about doing a quadruple in, in November and December. And I think it's I think it's going under the radar a little bit for Liverpool because they're not a squad that have been built in terms of 50 million players in every single position. You know, you, you haven't got um, 50, 60 million pounds Fullbacks to come in when the starting fullbacks are out or whatever. You know, it's a it's a squad that is is one of the best in world football, but it's it's an organically constructed one, if you like, in terms of you can go across the, the squad and think, well, Matt was a free, Trent's come through the academy, Milner was on a free, and Simakas was was only ten million pounds, and Robertson was quite cheap. It's not a squad that has just gone and spent hundreds and hundreds of millions to fix every kind of little issue in the squad. It's it's very much what they've done on the training pitch over the course of the last three, four years. And then they've added in little bits of quality here and there. And obviously they've spent money because you, you don't get anywhere in football without spending money. But I do kind of think it's going under the radar a little bit because they're not a squad that cost £800 million, let's say. We're getting into to March. They've got an FA Cup game, a home to a relegation-threatened team who are probably going to heavily rotate. So you'd expect them to win that on Wednesday. That puts them into the quarterfinal. They're at home to Inter. With the tuna lead from the first leg, if they win that, then they're in the quarters of that one. They're still going, you know, all guns blazing for the Premier League. Um, so why not? I mean, I, personally, if you're, if you're asking now, I'd still make Manchester City favourites. But the fact that Liverpool are in with a, a punch's chance as we come into the final couple of months of the season, why not? Um, as I wrote yesterday in, in the, the match verdict, optimism for, for fans is, is, you know, one of the best things you can have in football because without it, what what are we all looking forward to at the weekend as football fans and obviously Liverpool fans will certainly say something similar I'd imagine um, and it's it's for Klopp to kind of stay clear of saying it and whatever else but um, I think there is a, a quiet kind of acceptance within this group that we need more trophies and something special could be brewing uh, whether that's a quadruple a double a treble who knows but certainly good enough to, to go and have a good crack at the all. Yeah, I think organic's a, a good term as well. I mean, if you look at the right back position at the start of the season, yes, three internationals in, in Trent Alexander-Arnold, Nico Williams and Connor Bradley, but all three have come through the academy 
as well. Some free transfers in there in Joel Matip and James Milner as well. Yeah, Doily, I, I, I think I know what you're going to say, but Liverpool do have the squad for it, don't they? Albeit, Thiago's injury might now be quite key. Yeah, it depends. We have to wait and see what, what's happened there. He's, he's, he's suffered a tight hamstring during the warm-up and it's interesting, wasn't it? There's a player who's won 20-odd major trophies and yet the chance of a Wembley final, and it just snatched away from him. He was in tears, wasn't he, on the on the touchline? So I felt a bit sorry for him, although he was obviously all smiles by the end of it because Liverpool won the game and that, that that's what matters. That's what mattered to him more than anything else. So, good. What, what's the question then? You asked me whether they can win the quadruple. Yeah, well, funnily enough, given the fact that it's never been done, I don't think it's a <laughs> massive surprise for me to say I don't think they're going to do it. However... They have won the one thing that they could so far. And yet, as Vase of Flowers, or Vase of Flowers, depends on how you, how you want to say it, has just said on our YouTube, mm -hmm. he's, he's put a little message in, says a repeat of 1984 would be nice. And that, for anybody who's not old enough, which is most people in the world, um, that was, they won the league, the European Cup and the League Cup. And they won the, the League Cup after a nil-nil in the first game, although then he went, obviously, to extra time, uh, went to replay in those days. So, That's yeah, that, that, that would be Enjoy nice. Well, what, sorry? The George Orwell plan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we're already there anyway. <laughs> we've, been, we've been living that for a long time. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, can they do it? Yeah. Will they do it? Probably not. What would you expect them to do? I would be not surprised, but there will be a certain slight disappointment if they don't put themselves into position to win at least one more. Now, whether that means taking City down to the last game or getting to a final. I mean, the FA Cup looks decent. I mean, they've got Norwich, as course you said, they're going to rotate, but Liverpool rotate. And I don't think we can overestimate or underestimate, I should say, um, just how tired some Liverpool players were. It'll be interesting to see who actually plays, which I'm sure we'll get onto that eventually. Um, then it did need to get a good draw in the quarterfinal, because when you get down to Wembley, Liverpool have now shown that they can, you know, they didn't have a great record of the new Wembley, if we're being honest. But now they can show they can win there and win really close games. And that's another thing that's very important for them to do that. I said before, they've, what, they've only lost two of the last 50 games. Chelsea had only lost four games all season. So it was always going to be really, really tight. And Liverpool's record, I mean, you could argue, what was it? They drew twice with Chelsea in the league. They drew with Man City. Um, who else is up there? Who's third? Who's, who's third? Oh, that's Chelsea. Who's fourth? Oh, sorry. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Manchester United. 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 So, yeah, they, they won at United, didn't they? So, yeah. Okay, maybe. You know, but they're like the top, the top, top teams, those three. And they haven't beaten the, uh, either of them so far this season. And you could argue, well, they didn't beat Chelsea, but they did. They won on penalties. That's what. That's how you win a trophy. If it goes to a Champions League final, that's what would happen. And they did have won that as well. So, yeah, I do think the quadruple. I think Liverpool are a better position than they ever have been to do that. And as, as Mr. Flowers says, if they can get a league and a, and, a, and a European Cup on top of the League Cup. I think no one's going to go, oh, they missed out on the quadruple. They'd be like, wow, what a treble that was. Yeah. Well, obviously got a treble in 2001, didn't they? Started with the League Cup as well. It was so. a cup treble, a cup treble. Cup treble. Yeah, well, yeah, proper, I think a proper treble's got to have a league in the league title. Right, okay. well. It was still three three trophies won. But all anyway, right, all right. Okay. All right. right, Theo, in terms of mentality shift and everything. Can I do treble talk? That's yeah, you can. Fair. You can. Yeah, yeah, no, you can. <laughs> in terms of what is needed and what is required is getting over that line in finals. Obviously, it was so often said how Jurgen Klopp was getting teams to finals and not getting over the line. That now seems to have changed that rhetoric. And, and he's, he's also got the other thing that was missing off the CV, which was a, a Wembley Cup final win. He'd been there with Dortmund, obviously, in the Champions League. He'd been there with Liverpool in the League Cup. But that, that ghost can, can be laid to rest as well now. 
yeah, Liverpool now have that belief, they have that confidence, and they're so relaxed about it as well. Like we're talking there about Trent saying a quarter of the way down. Liverpool have got no pressure on themselves here. They know that they've done well to get back in the title race. They'll have confidence in themselves to progress in the Champions League over two legs, knowing they've got the power of Anfield. They know they've got a nice FA Cup run, and they've done it all before now. They've won at Wembley. They've won the Premier League. They've won the Champions League. They have a lot of confidence without putting that pressure on themselves. They know that they have the talent. And there's a bit of a difference to when they won the league where they wouldn't talk about it. They wouldn't say, oh, we're going to win it because they didn't want to jinx it. Now it's saying it almost offhand, but knowing they're not letting anyone down if they do fall short. We should compare that to Man City. They put that pressure on themselves so much. They got the 100 points and then they were desperate for the quadruple and it, it didn't happen. And they put the pressure on themselves to win the European Cup every single year and they fall short. There's a bit more desperation there, whereas Liverpool can just be relaxed. They could be calm, take it each game as it comes, knowing they've won it all before. They've got the fans behind them. They've now won at Wembley. They've got a bit of everything. And it's, it's not arrogance, but there's the confidence and there is that calmness there. Like there's hearing so many fans walking away from Wembley this morning or yesterday going, I'll be back in April. We'll be back in May. It's just you're, Liverpool are playing not their best football, but they're getting the results. And when you've got that talent in the squad and that depth in the squad and they've got that mentality in the squad, there's no reason why they can't go all the way and everything. But it depends on all the little things that happen in a season, such as injuries, such as players losing form, such as who they actually get in the Cups. Like we're saying, Norwich is quite a nice game at home in the, the fifth round when you expect them to rotate. But then you could get Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. You could get Man City at the Etihad. And then it looks as suddenly a very different prospect. Same if you got them in, in the Champions League and you have to go to their place in the second leg. But if you're at Anfield, you've got the belief. There's no reason not to be confident. Liverpool have achieved everything they need to in the past. And this season, they've already set up to be a great success. Uh, if they finish with just one trophy probably say they fell a little bit short, but they've put themselves in a great position, as Gorsley said, as we head into March. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it, Gorsley? I know the famous quote is doubters to believers, but it's kind of gone beyond believers now into those who expect yeah. Liverpool to, to be taking these trophies. Yeah, and I think that kind of filters down to the team, doesn't it, when Trent said the when he was previewing the intergame, you know, one trophy minimum seems to be now the, the expectation. And I think he might have been a little bit hurt actually from last year in terms of how the, the title defence crumbled and, you know, under the weight of injuries and whatever else, because Liverpool were riding high up until, you know, the end of December when it kind of went the turn for them. It looked like at one point that they were going to walk away with it again. I remember them beating Palace on December the 19th, I think, and they went seven points clear and it was all looking rosy again. And maybe... There was a little bit of a, um, a gathering um, over the summer when they say now that you know everyone's fit, let's really hunker down and, and, and go for it. And so far, so good. Um, the league is, is an interesting one because well, even like three weeks ago, they were 12, 14 points behind City, and now they've it's it's back to six now. Well, certainly, if you they win the game in hand again, it's back down to three, and they've obviously still got to go to the Etihad. That still wouldn't make them. You know, favourites for the Premier League title and the Champions League is always, you know, the toughest competition to, to win, isn't it? But um, certainly in terms of the FA Cup, I expect them to go through to the quarters now and then. I don't think anyone will be relishing getting drawn against Liverpool there. And, and it's just about, I guess, taking it every game as it comes. But they've got the squad now to, to mix and match and rotate and the quality isn't hugely diluted, which um, 
something that has, hasn't always been the case. So, um, yeah, it's it's all looking rosy as we, you know, look towards the start of March. And I think it'd be a bit of a massive disappointment actually if Liverpool finished the season with just what they've what they've got at the moment, the Carabao Cup. If they finish second in the Premier League and got knocked out in the other two competitions along the way, um, but um, we'll see. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a just a massively optimistic period, I think, and it has been since. Since they beat Arsenal in, in the second leg of the semi-final, it was almost overnight that kind of turned the season on its head. Um, at the time, there was no Mane in salad. They were looking a little bit short of confidence and ideas up top, and then almost overnight, that result changed the season around. Yeah, not a bad team to go and prove your, your title credentials against. Certainly not, right? Um, anyway, right, one, one sort of final point I wanted to make already was, do they need to, I suppose, we, we spoke so much about the absence of fans and what impact that had yesterday. It felt that pure connection, certainly at full time, and the way in which a number of the players actually immediately spoke about winning the trophy in front of the supporters. I can't imagine a League <clears throat> Cup parade is going to happen at the end of the season, but given they never got to parade the Premier League title, maybe some more of that hunger to have those kind of scenes that we saw Obviously, after the Champions League win at Madrid is maybe fueling this team as well. I agree. I mean, Jurgen Klopp, when we spoke to him last Monday, actually, I don't even think these bits got used. So I've got to be careful because it may get used at a later date. But I think he kind of intimated, look, we don't, no one does a, no one does a parade for a League Cup. He says, but, you know, and we can't really do something for the Premier League now that's gone. We just have to make sure that we do something else again so we can have a parade. So, you know, you yeah, you are right that you know. What, I've just actually finished, finished writing something actually about the number of players who that was like their first time winning something with Liverpool. Think of Jota, Canati, Diaz. Obviously, he's been here for five minutes, but even then, Simicast, he was loving yeah, this. Yeah, Um Even then, you look at someone like Kelleher, who's I think he's had four medals already before, but he hadn't played. He hadn't, you know, contributes in terms of on the pitch. Obviously, he had them behind the scenes. It contributes anything in any of those. But you know, quite clearly, as Klopp said, this was his his competition, and you know, he, he was man of the match for a reason in the final. Although they gave it to Virgil Van Dijk, which I wasn't completely in agreement with. Um, although Van Dijk did do okay, uh, and someone like Harvey Elliott, who got what was he got a, a Super Cup medal, a club World Club medal, played two games in the Premier League when they won the league, and he got, and he got you know, he, he was given a medal for that. I think Klopp was quite keen for him and Keller to get one. Uh, but, you know, he hadn't even played in the League Cup for Liverpool until he came on. You know, he wasn't even meant to be on the bench. And he comes on, does I thought he played really well, actually, when he was when he was on, the, you know, did what he had to do. When you bear in mind, he's the first 18-year-old ever to play for Liverpool in a, in a major final. And then he, he scores his penalty and then picks up a fleur. And, you know, the FA didn't quite like that so much. But, you know, one of those just exuberance of youth for which... Kind of, you know, flirted over a little bit, wasn't it? With that little bit with, um, he got a bit involved with Kai Havertz and Trent, didn't he? When they had a little bit of flare yeah. up in extra time, which James Miller came over and said, well, that's enough of that, Harvey. Let me deal with this. And he started getting stuck in. So that was good. I mean, but for all of them, the point being is that they've now experienced what everybody else in the squad's experienced. I mean, even Minamino, when he got the, um, I remember when he got the Premier League trophy, he said, didn't he? Six, six months later, he said, I felt like I didn't really quite deserve that because I only joined halfway through a season. And while he didn't he didn't play in the final, he played in all the other games. Yeah. And he scored the important goals and he scored that that very important goal at the end of the, the quarterfinal against Leicester, which which took it to penalty. So this competition has been one where I think I 
I miscounted. I thought it was 32 players. Actually, 33 players, different players have played in this competition, which is that's going to be what a first. Is it six games, did we say? Is? I think it was the third round, the fourth. Yeah, six games. So six, six, six. games and the 33 players. It's basically yeah. three 11s have played. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they used three different goalkeepers, didn't they? So, yeah. you know, they and they all at some point played very well. I think uh, Alisson only played the one game, didn't he? That was at Arsenal. That 2 0 when he had a decent game there. He played the home one. Sorry, he played the home one. He played the home one. Sorry, yeah, that's when when out. It's ten men where he didn't need to do anything. I think he had to make one save from Saka though, didn't he? Yeah, he did. The second yeah. half, yeah, there was the one save, so he still kept a clean sheet. Adrian played well against Preston, but the point being is that they all feel as though they contributed, whereas in the past perhaps that wasn't quite the case for the likes of Keller and uh, and Elliot. So going forward, all of these players now know we know how to win a major final with Liverpool, and. Forget next season, the season after that, where a lot of them will still be there, Canati, Jota, Elliot, all of those. There's still three trophies to play for this season, so Klopp now knows that he's got these players who have the ability and the knowledge and the experience because everyone says, like, winning that first trophy is the hardest one in your career, whether it's a team or as an individual. They've all done it now, and they've all done it together. So I think it, it does augur very well for, you know, for the next few months and for the next few years. Yeah, it's also yeah. fun we're going into March and not having to be talking about transfers in the summer, isn't it? We can actually talk about football. Yeah, no, we'll be talking about transfers as well. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good game. I, I think Doyle makes a good point there in terms of looking at the whole squad. I mean, it's easy to look at the final and look at Van Dijk and Salah and Trent and, you know, whoever else for Vino. But it's it's a victory for everyone, isn't it? You know, all of those players, Harvey Blair making his senior debut at Preston and Regan Minamino, of course, that they were the you know two um, not so much unsung heroes, but certainly two senior players who, who majorly played their part at Norwich and Preston, and then Minamino at Leicester. Um, Nico Williams, Connor Bradley, Kate Gordon, Tyler Morton, yeah. Um, so yeah, and Billy Cometio played against Leicester, and he I think he played the first half, but oh, um, back, he came on, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Not come on against Norwich as well. I think you know, it came on against Preston at the end. Right, right. Are we just naming all well. thirty-three players here? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah basically, yeah. Yeah, so Klopp did that after the game, didn't he? Made a point. I want to mention all of these players. Yeah. Yeah, he he name dropped uh, Dixon Bonner, didn't he? He he turned to um, the press officer to ask right who I'm missing, so he could reel off all the names and give them their applause. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, no, definitely. And they're all, of course, going to be getting a medal. The EFL will be working overtime trying to get all of those medals sorted. Anyway, right, on to the next one. Now, then the FA Cup on Wednesday. Not really need, I don't think, to, to preview the game as much. We've, we've spoken about kind of where it fits into to Liverpool's priorities this season. And it is the next one up. So let's get into our team selector. And in goal, it's got to be the Cup King, hasn't it? Cleveland Kelleher to stay between the sticks. Um I'll be bold enough to, to not ask you guys about that. But, Gorsley, what about the back four? Um, there's no Nico Williams there now, is there? Maybe, I think Milner maybe start at right back. Um, what about Gomez? He played the recent the recent league game in Norwich. Well, about Gomez is a shout. I think he, he may be saved for centre-back, to be honest. Um, Conor Bradley, is he fit at the moment? Um he, he, scored, he scored for the under twenty uh, threes against Arsenal uh, on Frost Friday. Oh right, okay. Yeah. One for one against Arsenal at Arsenal. <laughs> um, win against Arsenal. 
Get no reaction. Adam. Start Conor Bradley at right back on, on Wednesday night. Um, on the left, Simakash. And then maybe my centre-backs are um, Canate and Gomez. Right. Doyle, what about your back four? don't know, really. I mean, on, on Wednesday, it's also the uh, Youth League game against Genk in the last 16. I think I'm right in saying, I think Conor Bradley's still eligible for that game. And so is the likes of Tyler Morton and Kate yeah, Gould. Yeah, he's yeah. playing the Champions League game, games, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. I actually think because Trent didn't play at all, what was the game the other day? Was it Norwich? No, yeah, um, it was. Oh, yeah, it was Norwich, yeah, yeah. It was Norwich, yeah, he, did, he wasn't involved at all. I think he'll play, and I think it'll be Simicast, Gomez and Canati, the rest. You you going with, with Doyle or with, with Gorsley here? Well, before we started, I, I was thinking Joe Gomez at right back, but then maybe Virgil van Dijk is long overdue a rest here. Uh, so I think they do tend to save the, the senior youngsters for the youth league when those games do clash. So perhaps it would be Doyle's call with whatever he's just said. I've forgotten. I've gone blank completely. Gomez and Simicas. Yeah, right. um, makes sense. Stay with you before you forget about your midfield, mate. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing during midfield? Milner holding, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Curtis-Jones. Right, OK. Gorsley, what would you make of that? Um, maybe. Maybe a shout for Elliot. Um, yeah, Oxlade-Chamberlain. No, actually, it, was, it, it does seem a bit harsh and Gomez. It, on Jones to leave him out entirely because I thought he played well when he played the other night. Uh, when the games are catching up, I mean, how did he play against the other night? He started, didn't he? Leeds, Leeds, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you, I think I do think you need just that that kind of solid base. Yeah, I'll go with Milner, Elliot, and uh, Jones. Doily, I think Henderson will start. Um, he'll play the number six or Fabinho, one of those two. I don't think they'll go with Milner. Milner, Milner can unfortunately no longer run so much to cover that kind of ground, so I don't think he can really do that job. He's good if he's part of a midfield three starting a game coming off after an hour, or, or like he did on uh, on Sunday where he just got stuck in and he running around for, for what was it, 30, 35, 40 minutes, which I think is, I think that's what he's up to at the moment. Um, so I play Henderson, I play Oxley Chamberlain. Now, I play Jones, but I'm just trying to work out where to play him. So come back to me. Right, okay. What about the strikers then, Dolly? Uh, don't come back to me next straight away about them. <laughs> <laughs> go go to the others, that's the idea. Go <laughs> 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 the front three. Um, I think Origi might start. I think Salah might start, actually. As, as wild as that sounds. I think Koff probably ask him how you feel and he'll say he wants to play. Um... I didn't think Jota was 100% when he came on, actually. Um, but I think Diaz was exhausted. And we we got told something today, though, you didn't mean that um, Diaz did, in fact, <laughs> admit that he was uh, absolutely shattered after his 120 minutes yesterday. Um, so, yeah, I'll go with Origi and Jota. They can kind of interchange between the left and the centre and um, Salah. Theo? Um I think Origi and Minamino will start and then it's just choosing that third one 
Um, Mane came off first out of the three, so maybe you put him in. I agree, Jota just didn't look fit enough. Um, whether that's the argument to put him in to get the fitness up or if he's still not 100% and they just rushed him back because it was a final and he needs a bit more time. So it would be, if Jota is ready, he can play down the middle or on the left. And then if he's not, Harvey Elliott can actually go in the front three. But then that might make me rethink my midfield with Elliott in the midfield and Oxley chamberlain in the front three. <laughs> they could just make it flexible, I suppose. But I will point out, didn't Doily just uh, kill James Milner? Just two-footed him. Always goes no. on me for... Yeah, you no, said he can't run anymore. You said he... You said he can't run anymore. You wrote him off. You said he can't run anymore. He's about my age. Don't be surprised, really. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So what is your what is your three then? You, you, you chose somebody's in your midfield and the rest well, of it you can decide. It depends how fit Jota is. Jota Origi Minamino, if he's fit enough and that extra few days has helped. If not, it would be Origi Minamino and then Elliot, but it'd probably be Oxide Chamberlain with Elliot dropping into the midfield. So I'm still saying in the name eleven. Right. I'll just have to have a reshuffle depending on Jota's availability. Okay, Doyle, have you had enough time to think? No, but I'll just give you an answer anyway. Um, I will say, for a start, there's going to be five subs, isn't there? So it's not it's not that important to start. It's obviously important who starts, but it's not quite as important as if it was a league game. Um, so in the midfield, I would have Henderson, Oxley, chamberlain and Jones. And up front, I'll have Minamino on the left, um, Origi down the middle, and I'll go with Elliot down the right. Right, okay, no worries. Right, uh, Doily, what about match prediction then? What's the score going to be? Who are they playing? Norwich. Norwich. Yeah. Again? I mean, how many times? Um, it depends what Norwich do. I think Norwich will put up a really good fight, actually. Genuinely do think it's going to be really close. 2 1 Liverpool. Gorsty. Yeah, I, I, I can't see Norwich um, putting out anywhere near as, as strong 11 as, as what they would in the Premier League game. They're absolutely fighting for their lives, aren't they? And, this is probably a bit of a distraction, to be honest, going to Anfield, where the, the record isn't great. So I think Liverpool will probably be quite comfortable already, 2-0. And Theo? Uh, I reckon there'll be goals, partly because I'm expecting Ozan Kabak to start for Norwich. So I'm going to go 3-2 Liverpool. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> He's just absolutely wow. destroyed Kabak. Just uh, two-footed. Two wow. Given the audience what they want. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's it anyway for this edition of the Blood Red podcast. We will, of course, have all the build up to the FA Cup fifth round tie with Norwich City. We'll have the press conferences on the channel as well and plenty of build up from the gentleman alongside me on the Liverpool Echo website. Do keep across all of that. But from myself, Guy Clark, Paul Gorst, Ian Doyle and Theo Spires, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.